98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Vicky Wong. The headlines. The chief executive is told to act fast after she hints at a shake-up in the way the government tackles housing and cultural issues. Election turnout in Macau slumps and there's a prediction that Hong Kong's LegCo poll will see a similar pattern. And a Kwantung school takes a step towards normality with full-day classes for older pupils. The DAB chairwoman Starry Lee says she hopes the government can work fast on a restructuring that's expected to see the creation of new bureaus to tackle housing problems and cultural development. The chief executive Carrie Lam hinted at the changes yesterday and reports say she'll announce a study on the matter in her policy address next month. Ms Lee wants the changes finished by the time a new administration takes office next summer so the government can work faster. I think the government should put more emphasis on the housing and land issue because that is one of the structural issues that we have not been successfully dealt with. The second point is I think Hong Kong, we have that potential to further develop our cultural, sport and tourist industry. And of course, it's not only about industry. We want Hong Kong to act as a centre to deliver good China story. Macau election officials have said the COVID pandemic was to blame for a sharp fall in turnout for yesterday's legislative poll. Tong Hyo Fong, chairman of the Electoral Commission, noted that the border closure meant voters outside Macau could not cast ballots. Turnout for the 14 directly elected seats was 42%, down almost 15 percentage points on the 2017 election. Earlier, 21 opposition candidates were disqualified after the commission said it had proved they did not uphold Macau's basic law and were not loyal to Macau. Roundtable lawmaker Michael Tien says he has no doubt that Hong Kong's Legislative Council election in December will also see a fall in turnout. I think we most likely will face the same situation. No, it's just simply because the rules uh, were changed. The election rules were changed. Many people are not used to the new rule. Uh, not that they support or not support. They want to have a wait-and-see attitude. Definitely, uh, you would experience a, uh, a drop. The election will see the number of directly elected seats reduced and candidacy requirements altered. Form 6 pupils at a school in Kuantong have resumed full-day classes after it reached the government's target of having 70% of teachers and pupils vaccinated against COVID-19. Delia Memorial School Hipwa was the first to begin full-day teaching under the new rules set out last month. This pupil, Aaron, received two doses of the BioNTech vaccine several months ago. He says going to school all day will help in the forthcoming public exams. I think it's about time that we have normal classes. Uh, I'm sure everyone is like, excited for it. It's easier to study with the teachers and students around you than at home, because at home you get distracted. Overseas, North Korea says two cruise missiles tested over the weekend successfully hit their targets more than 1,500 kilometres away. According to state media, the missiles were of a new type and amounted to a strategic weapon of significance. The United States military said the latest tests highlighted the threat posed by North Korea to its neighbours and the wider world. The BBC's Laura Bicker has the details. It is a cruise missile, so it's not a ballistic missile. It's kind of like an aeroplane, so it flies low and it flies fast. But it's not a ballistic weapon in terms of a nuclear weapon. But I think what it proves to the international community is the fact that this is a brand new weapon. And it comes just a month after satellite images show that their main nuclear plant is back up and running. Now, North Korea called this a strategic weapon. Now, that means usually it intends to put a nuclear warhead on it. What we don't know is if North Korea has the 
capability to miniaturise a warhead to put it on a cruise missile. Robert Kelly, a professor of political science at Pusan University in South Korea, said the missiles could be a potent weapon if what Pyongyang is saying is correct. The ones that, that people really care about, particularly outside of the region, are, of course, the ballistic missiles, which go much further. But this one looks like it's sort of more medium range. Um, it could conceivably strike Okinawa if the range the North Koreans gave is correct. Okinawa is where the U.S. has a lot of uh, forces that would support a war in North Korea. And if they could put a nuclear weapon on it, then that's uh, that's actually a pretty powerful regional weapon. You know, we don't know. I mean, the North Koreans lie about this stuff all the time. The head of the UN nuclear watchdog, the IAEA, says it solved its most urgent issue with Iran by striking a deal to continue the surveillance of some of its nuclear facilities. The deal allows international monitors to service the cameras that gathered data at the sites. Speaking on his return from talks in Tehran, Rafael Grossi told reporters in Vienna that the agreement would give space for diplomacy so wider solutions could be reached. He said he hoped to see the highest authorities in Iran soon. We had a major, a major communication breakdown with Iran, which, of course, is something we cannot afford, having so many important issues that we need to solve. And I think that was, that was solved. The world's biggest trial of a blood test that can detect more than 50 types of cancer before symptoms appear is starting in Britain. The Galeri test, made by an American company, Grail, searches for DNA changes in the bloodstream resulting from tumours. It aims to detect cancers that are hard to identify in their early stages, such as those of the bowel, lung and pancreas. Amanda Pritchard is the chief executive of England's National Health Service. It allows us, hopefully, to identify cancers at a much earlier stage when people have a much better chance of making a full recovery and treatment is much easier. We'll be inviting people to come for blood tests in convenient locations like retail parks. And I would just say to anyone who receives a letter or receives an invitation, please do take it up and become part of this world-first trial. A zoo in the United States is taking measures to protect animals from coronavirus. 13 of the 20 gorillas at Zoo Atlanta in Georgia tested positive. Here's the BBC's Harry Bly. The zoo, which has its own gorilla care team, says keepers observed coughing and changes in appetite within the troop of western lowland gorillas. After tests came back positive, vets and doctors began treating the great apes, most at risk of developing complications, with artificially made antibodies. Now all of the gorillas are being regularly tested, regardless of symptoms, and the zoo has doses of a vaccine developed especially for animals, which will be given to some of its other residents, including orangutans, lions, tigers and leopards, as a precaution. Israel's foreign minister has unveiled plans to improve life for Palestinians in Gaza on condition that Hamas militants stop their attacks against Israel. Yael Lapid said the impoverished territory of two million people would get an infrastructure upgrade, including repairs to the electricity network and rebuilding of the housing and transport infrastructure. Since Israel left the Gaza Strip in 2005, we have been dragged into round after round of violence, causing suffering for our people and harming our economy. The policy Israel has pursued up till now hasn't substantially changed the situation. The short answer is that we need to start a large, multi-year process of economics for security. The purpose of the process is to create stability on both sides of the border, civil, security, economic and diplomatic. 
The main candidates to succeed the German Chancellor Angela Merkel have held the second of three televised debates ahead of this month's election. A snap poll suggested the current frontrunner, the finance minister Olaf Scholz of the Social Democrats, came out top in the latest encounter. The BBC's Grant Ferret reports. Supporters of the three candidates greeted them like prize fighters as they arrived for the televised debate in Berlin. And there were some combative moments inside the studio, with Olaf Scholz accusing Mrs Merkel's favoured successor, Armin Laschet, of dishonesty. The Greens' co-leader, Annalena Baerbock, described the election as the last chance to form a government capable of stopping the climate crisis. Mr Scholz again declined to rule out a possible coalition with Germany's far-left party, but that doesn't appear to have put off many voters. Pope Francis has told Roman Catholics in Hungary that he wants them to be open towards humanity in an apparent riposte to the right-wing Prime Minister Viktor Orban. The two men spent 40 minutes together before the Pope closed a Catholic Congress in Budapest. Addressing the faithful outdoors, the Pope said arms should be outstretched to the world and warned of the threat of anti-Semitism. Some in the crowd, like this woman, Christina, said these views could split opinion. I think the teachings of Jesus are divisive. The Lord Jesus himself was divisive. So the teachings of the Pope or the Church are divisive too. But we don't have to deal with that. We just have to say the truth. One can bring up certain themes like minorities or migration, but there are lots of other subjects to talk about. Mr Orban said he implored Pope Francis not to let Christian Hungary perish. Pope Francis is now in Slovakia for the second leg of a Central European visit. In financial news, Hong Kong-listed shares in the mainland property development developer Soho China have collapsed by 40% this morning after a $26 billion takeover by an American private equity investor fell through. The company and its potential buyer, Blackstone, announced in a stock exchange filing that the takeover offer would not go ahead because they could not meet preconditions set by mainland antitrust regulators in time. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index stood at 25,654. That's 551 points down on the previous close. In currencies, the yuan is trading at 109.95 yen. The euro is standing at 1 US dollar and 18 cents. The pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 77 cents. To sport, and we start with tennis. The world number one Novak Djokovic has failed in his attempt to become the first man in more than half a century to win all four Grand Slam tournaments in the same year. He lost the US Open final to the Russian Daniel Medvedev in straight sets. Djokovic appeared slower than usual after a hard-fought route to the final. Fighting back tears after the match, Djokovic said his heart was filled with joy because of the reception from the crowd. I would like to say that tonight, even though I have not won the match, my heart is filled with joy and I'm the happiest man alive because you guys made me feel very special on the court. Medvedev, a first-time Grand Slam winner, acknowledged the occasion by paying a big tribute to his opponent. We all know what he was going for today. And I just want to say that, I mean, anyway, what, as, as you said, what you accomplished uh, this year and throughout your career, um, I never said this to anybody, but I'll say it right now, for me, you are the greatest uh, tennis player in the history. 
And there was also celebration for a Hong Kong player at the US Open. Coleman Wong won the boys' doubles title on Saturday. The 17-year-old teamed up with Max Westphal of France to beat Ukraine's Vyacheslav Bielinski and Bulgaria's Peter Nesterov in the final. Wong is the second Hong Kong player to win a junior tennis major. Patrick He won a girls' doubles title at Wimbledon in 1983. Next to football and the English Premier League, where Liverpool's unbeaten start to continued. They've joined Manchester United and Chelsea level on points at the top of the table, but it came at a big price. Liverpool were 3-0 winners at Leeds United, but the game was marred by a serious injury to Liverpool's teenage midfielder Harvey Elliott, who was stretched off of the pitch. More from the BBC's John Murray. This was an impressive statement of intent from Liverpool who continued their unbeaten start to the season. Leeds let them off early on when Rodrigo shot straight at the goalkeeper. But then Liverpool took charge as Mo Salah shot them in front with his 100th Premier League goal. Fabinho doubled the lead early in the second half before Leeds substitute Strauch was sent off after a challenge that resulted in 18-year-old Harvey Elliott stretched off to hospital with an ankle injury. With 10 men, there was no way back for Leeds, who've not yet yet led in a Premier League match this season and Sadio Mane rounded off the scoring when he shot in for 3-0 in added time. In Spain, Real Madrid were victorious on their return to the Barnabu. More from the BBC's Andy Barwell. Playing in their first game at the Bernabeu in 18 months due to Covid and rebuilding work, Real Madrid were 5-2 winners over Celta Vigo to go top of Spain's La Liga. Karim Benzema scored a hat-trick. They're ahead on goal difference from Valencia, who defeated Osasuna 4-1, and the champions Atletico Madrid, who defeated newly promoted Espanyol 2-1 away. In Italy, the champions Inter Milan were held 2-2 by Sampdoria. Roma atop on goal difference from AC Milan and Napoli. Roma beat Sassuolo 2-1 in the evening game earlier. Milan defeated Lazio 2-0. In Formula 1, McLaren's Daniel Ricciardo has won the Italian Grand Prix following a crash between the championship leader Max Verstappen and his closest challenger Lewis Hamilton. Verstappen holds a five-point lead in the standings. For Ricciardo, it was his first win in three years. I don't think we had like mega speed, but it was enough just to keep keep obviously Max behind and then, uh, I don't know, there were safety cars, there was this and that, but... Um, to lead literally from start to finish, I, I don't think any of us expected that, but there was something, something in me on Friday. I, I, I knew something, was, uh, something good was to come, so let's just say that. And the weather, sunny periods and a few showers, very hot with isolated thunderstorms during the day. The maximum temperature will be around 33 degrees in the urban areas and a couple of degrees higher in the new territories. Outlook, it will be hot with sunny intervals and a few showers tomorrow, more showers midweek this week. The temperature now is 31 degrees and the humidity at 74%. To end the news, the top stories once again. The chief executive is told to act faster after she hints at a shake-up in the way the government tackles housing and cultural issues. After election turnout in Macau slumps, there's a prediction that Hong Kong's LegCo poll will see a similar pattern. And a Kuantong school takes a step towards normality with full-day classes for older pupils. The news from RTHK.
And welcome to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Monday afternoon. Monday, the 13th of September, is today's date, and it's great to be back on air. Many, many thanks to all our wonderful duty presenters sitting in for me last week James Ross, Carolyn Wright, and Billy Clark. What would I do without you guys? Thank you so much, guys. And of course, thanks to Phil for this morning's morning brew. It feels weird and really nice to be back in the studio. Very familiar. <laughs> Let's just hope it goes well. On today's program, it's a bit busy. We're marking and we're celebrating Celiac Awareness Day. And we'll be debunking some medical myths surrounding this condition. And it is, in fact, a disease. So we'll hear more about that just uh, after a couple of songs. And uh, today on Trash Talk, Marcy Trentlong will be speaking with Devansh Gupta, the co-founder of Food Upcycling Startup. At Bria about how they're making Bria a beer, sorry, from surplus white bread. What a great initiative! Uh, just to top off the summer to be able to enjoy a great beer uh, while reducing food waste. So we'll hear more about that uh, from Marcy.